Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. He's not wrong. Let's not tell me how to be a fan, you know what I mean? But we can all have different feelings about this. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. I'm Shay Cornette, here with Key and J. Will. And right now we're going to go to that Goodyear Hotline because Buster Olney is there, our ESPN baseball insider. Good morning to you, Buster. Thanks for being with us. And yesterday we had a very heated debate about what is going on with the Mets and the thumbs-down celebration, if you will want to call it that, um, amongst some Met players. And so tonight they are back in action at City Field against the Marlins. And so, Buster, what do you expect from the Mets? Because we know this has been addressed not only from the fans and from us media personalities, but also from their GM and their owner and on so. I do think there probably, Shay, going to be some Mets fans who are going to you know, try to back their players. But generally speaking, Javier Baez, Francisco Lindor, Kevin Pillar, they are going to get booed heavily. The fans, I think, generally are going to let them know, Javier Baez know, that what he uh, he said in their eyes was very wrong. There was a lot of anger. It played out on talk radio here in New York. You read the columns. Uh, Mets fans are upset about what happened. Buster, isn't this kind of like, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Gladiator with Russell Crowe, when they're in the Coliseum. And, you know, fans are saying crazy things to him. And, you know, he's like, are you not entertained? He spits, like, uh, you know, down. It's this whole scene. Like, aren't sports like that to a degree? I don't understand why it received so much backlash. Uh, I think in part because of of what's been the custom, uh, Jay, in New York. You know, I cover the Yankees for a lot of years. Derek Jeter got booed. Mariana Rivera got booed. Mickey Mantle back in the day got booed. Joe DiMaggio got booed. Derek Jeter's response when that happened was, you know what? The way I'm playing, I'd boo me too. Uh, That's, generally speaking, how players in New York have handled it. And I think given what's gone on with the Mets, uh, I think there would be an expectation among a lot of players who played New York, yeah, they're going to boo us. And it's really not personal. It's business. If you look at where the Mets were on July 31st, they had a four-and-a-half game lead in the National League East. And since then, 8-19. and 19, Guys, they've given up 11-and-a-half games in the standings. I Look, I, I think there are a lot of players would say to Javier Baez, what do you expect? You guys have been terrible. Baez, while he had a couple of nice moments over the weekend, generally speaking with the Mets, he's been terrible. That's what the reaction is going to be, especially in New York, in Philadelphia, and Boston. Look, entertained. That was a little technical difficulty, not talent. Uh, look, look, Buster, how, how can the Mets front office as well as the clubhouse get past this now? Well, they will try to do that for sure today. Uh, Sandy Alderson's going to have the team president is going to have that meeting today. He's going to tell his players to knock off the thumbs down gestures. I think there are going to be those mea culpa, uncomfortable Zoom interviews with Javier Baez and Francisco Lindor where they're going to try to mitigate what they said with their actions. They're going to try to explain it and they're going to try to move on. And I got to tell you, I feel like today, 
uh, there's a lot more at stake for Francisco Lindor than there is for Javier Baez, because Javier Baez is a one-off at this point. Like, he burned that bridge the other day in terms of coming back to the Mets for 2022. Francisco Lindor is in year one of a 10-year contract, which is why I think today when he's on the Zoom call, he's going to say, hey, I'm sorry if, if people felt this way about what I, uh, my actions were. Uh, I don't really feel that way. I love the fans. He's kind of trying to you know, move past that. But, I mean, you know better than I do, the best chance to move past this would be if Baez, if Lindor, just go off and the Mets get on a run and they get back in the playoff race. Oh, yeah. Winning cures everything, right? Buster's Buster only joining us right now. He's our ESPN Baseball Insider. You're listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Buster is on the Goodyear hotline. Let's go to the other team in New York. That would be the Yankees. I don't know what to make of this Yankees team. Uh, they won 13 in a row. They lost three straight. Uh, where are you on what the Yankees are now as we get closer and closer to the post? season yeah and Shay I don't know if I should talk to you because look who my favorite team is and you just call them boring no about the Yankees <laughs> put that uh, cup look, down I buster over the weekend and <laughs> uh, I, I saw them over the weekend they're clearly in a much better emotional state than they were a month ago uh, you know they have a, a commanding lead for the first wild card in the American League here's the problem for the Yankees it's not what they're doing it's the Tampa Bay Rays who have now separated themselves uh, from the rest of the teams in the American League East and really in the American League as of this morning the Yankees are seven games out in the AL East forget it it's pretty much over so for the Yankees now, it's about continuing to take advantage of the depth of their lineup, getting their starting pitching ready, and let's face it, getting ready in all likelihood for that one-game wild card, lining up Garrett Cole in that bullpen, likely to face the Boston Red Sox in that wild card. That would be something. Buster, now let's switch out to L.A. to the West Coast where I'm currently chilling. <laughs> the Dodgers, what do we need to do to catch San Francisco? We missed a couple opportunities couple nights ago but now we're back in the fold after last night yeah so after last night i was thinking of that phrase and thinking of you coming on here that uh, when you look in the rearview mirror the images are larger than they actually appear uh let's face it that's where the dodgers are in the giants rearview mirror right now they're just a game and a half behind and they clearly have gained so much momentum since those trade deadline deals matt scherzer's been unbelievable with an era under two in his five starts for the dodgers trey turner hitting 322 since he joined the team this is the best team in baseball uh, and they're closing on the Giants we actually have uh, the Giants and Dodgers coming up on Sunday Night Baseball this weekend it may be that this would be the week that the Dodgers uh, overcome the Giants I think if you were to poll people around baseball they look at the Dodgers still as the team to beat when you're talking about the World Series but so let's talk about the team North and the Angels and their win last night over over the Yankees uh, Otani homered again how big is the gap between him and the next guy in the AL MVP race it's enormous. Uh, it probably, and look, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a clear number two for the American League MVP. And in a normal year, he would win it. Uh, and additionally, you know, the Jays have all these games left against the Baltimore Orioles, nine of their last 32. So you know he's going to pad his numbers. But in terms of overall value, as Joe Madden, the Angels manager, said, it's not close. The difference, because Otani's contributing both as a pitcher and a hitter, you're talking about 30 to 40% gap in total, in total overall value. Value that Otani is presenting, and there's no doubt that the sport and the voters are past that point where they tie team performance to the MVP award. If you have a great individual player on a terrible team, 
it doesn't matter to the voters anymore. Otani's going to be the American League MVP. Should have just given it to him at the All-Star break. Let's talk about his teammate, uh, Mike Trout. Any <laughs> chance he plays this season, Buster? I don't think so. Uh, yesterday, Joe Madden talked about how Trout, as he's tried to come back from this calf injury, which has had him out since mid-May, he still has soreness. He'll try to run. He'll ramp it out. He'll look like he's okay. And the next day, he'll have soreness. The fact is, is that the baseball calendar is running out for Mike Trout to come back. The Angels feel like that he really needs a rehabilitation assignment before he can come back. And there's just not time to do all that before the end of the regular season. Good stuff. Buster Only, thank you so much for the insight this morning. We'll talk to you later. Go drink out of your Vikings cup. All right, bud. (laughs) (laughs) See you, Buster. Um, All right, quickly, guys, uh, we mentioned the Mets at the top of that when we were talking to Buster, and obviously we know the gesture Javi Baez, Francisco Lindor, Kevin Pillar made, and the thumbs down basically telling the fans while they're booing when they're playing bad, they're going to boo them when they play well, and that's why they do the thumbs down gesture. Tonight they are back at City Field. Um, It's the Marlins and the Mets. And so, guys, what do you expect to see from this New York fan base? Tonight. Oh, they're going to boo them heavy, heavy. But I, I got to be honest, Shay, over the last day after I made that comment yesterday, I'm starting to come around more to the way that you think about this. Thank you. I am. And, and after hearing Buster talk about, you know, DJ, Derek Jeter, and the way he handled this as a Yankee and what the New York fan base is, uh, look, it's always hard for players not to react and get lost in being competitive. But I am starting to lean towards the direction of just go out there and win games. The more you win games, the more you play at a high clip, that work will speak for itself, and that inevitably will win the fan base over. So I'm, I'm coming to your side on this. All right. He's coming. You, got me, you got me Key? on this. The fan, base, my side? the fan base overran me yesterday, and I, 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 I'm starting to understand how they think. Thank you. Key, you coming to my I, side too or no? No, okay. no. I just, whatever they feel they should do. That's how I look at it. If you want to boo-boo, I got to play a game. I got to go out there and play. I just, I'm not about to all of a sudden – succumb under pressure from the media and fan base. I'm just not. That's just not how I'm built. And I've never been built that way. You can call me hard-headed. You can call me whatever you want to. But I'm not all of a sudden getting ready to feel a certain way because the media is garnering all this attention based on some players putting a thumbs down. But they, act me, like the, they act like the players went in the stands oh, and beat somebody up. Yeah, they this is not malice in the palace. It's not malice in the palace. And stop. I, I get that. But let me ask you this, though, Key. If you're Javi and tonight you're in this game, do you come back doing the thumbs down notion again? Are you doubling no, you down ball, or are you no, just you playing just your ball, game? You just ball and smile okay, and yeah. laugh. All right. Okay, so, so you're, you're not doing the fire. You hit a few – I sent my message already. I don't need to continue – to add fuel to the fire. Yeah. Why, why do that? Go out there, hit a few jacks, and keep it moving. Yeah. There's nothing. Like, I just, I don't get how we done turned some thumbs down into all this. Well, it, first it's, of it's all. It's a whole story now. The thumbs down has been happening for weeks. Like, we just now kind of noticed it, and because Javi spoke about it two days ago. So now that it's become much bigger for you to stop doing mm-hmm. it, obviously is taking the message from the fans, from the media, from your owner, from your manager into play, and, and that's why you stopped doing it. So I will say it's not – if they do stop now, it's because someone either has told them or they have come around to the idea that maybe it wasn't a good idea in the first place. I, it's not that it's a big deal at all. It's just – just the fact of like, why are we doing this? this is, it's petty. That's what I said. It's, it's completely petty. We have a call they on this. Booing, I just they booing them. You booing them back. Okay. Like, I, it's like, like I hate Fine. to say it. It's a waste of conversation for me. I got to participate in it because it's our show, but it's a waste of conversation. I guess I just get annoyed too because it's like, you know, we don't call it petty when the fans do it. 
Like, it's but this is different. Like booing but is like the bare minimum now, Jay. of that. Jay, like, I'm gonna stop you from flip flopping. You went back over there no, with no, Shay. No, no, Don't come no, back I, over well, here with I, me. I hear. I, I hear. I, I hear what both sides are saying. I, I'm, this is more like Shay, I guess. I'm sounding like, but. It's like, I don't think he needs to react to it and do it anymore. No, Fans did I, I with me over with this conversation yesterday. But it, it, it does frustrate as a player sometimes that you as a fan can do whatever you want to do. But, like, I have to be above that. I have to be above but that. Like guys, but not booing, everybody's but you're that not way. doing anything by putting your <laughs> that's, thumbs that's down. And that's why it's not that big of a deal. But, the but boo- it is but, a big but, deal. But, but booing is like. That's what you, it's the only thing, fans. That should be the only thing. Like, you're throwing something in your mouth enough different. But booing, like, that's just part of being a fan. Like, that's part and of that's being fine. at a stadium. That, Shay, that's fine. Boo all you want. Don't complain when I put my thumbs down. All right. Oh, so I hurt your little feelings because I put my thumbs down? <laughs> Look, this is a team that plays in the Bronx, okay? We're not talking I don't about care where they shiny play. LA. It's a team I that plays in the Bronx. Care like, where deal they with the play. blues. If deal you, with the oh, thumbs just down. because I play in the Bronx and I play in New York, you're going to boo me and I'm supposed to accept it? No. No. Uh, Flavio's in New yeah, Jersey. Yeah, it's actually the Queens, not Bronx. I was just told by our. <laughs> Producer Evan, he's reminded me that. Check me. Fair enough. Flavio's in New Jersey. Flavio, what do you guys say about this? Yeah, you got to get your state, you got to get your cities right. First of all. <laughs> Sorry, I'm new to the East Coast. <laughs> Javi Baez, I mean, that is such a childish move. Oh, it, the, the fans are going to boo you. And you know what? This is the difference between the Mets and the Yankees. Derek Jeter comes out and says, the way I've been playing, yeah, I should be booed. Javi Baez comes out. And puts his thumbs down? What are you, a child? What are you, 10? I tell you what, here's the difference. The Yankees pull, put their big, play, big boy pants on, they get out there, and they play, and they come home with a division trophy. Javi Baez, he can play. Give him a participation trophy. Because he's behind. Uh, okay, thank did you, you just cut him off? No, Say, did I, you I, cut I him off again? Bit. Another I caller? Did a little bit. Jeez. Hey, gosh, you're just two, ruthless. I, I two today. that time I did not mean to. I thought I heard him cut out my ear, so I tried to speak over him. Um, now we're going Mets versus Yankees. This isn't fair. This is what happens in the city, this though. This isn't fair. This is what happens. One, one team does it the right way, and the other team, of course, they're going to do it that way. I mean, that's what, fan, that's what every, fans do. Everybody, look, man, organizations obviously are different, right? One has... Trophies. The other has a couple trophies. It's just different situations. But Jay, come on, man, booing, uh, thumbs down. Like we really having this conversation? We're happy. Right? Like, this is really a conversation. I know, but it's like a right part now. of the key. Like that's why I said yesterday that you and I are kind of built differently on this. Like there have been a lot of things that I could swing back at very hard, but my style and my approach are like, all right, like just gut it out. Get it out for a little bit and win people back over throughout time. But that's not everybody's approach. But that is interpreted differently through fan bases. I recognize that. Let's see if I won't cut off Nick. Nick's in New Jersey. What's going on, Nick? Hey, guys. Good morning. Good morning. What's uh, up, Nick? First point I want to make. Key, uh, you're, you're good at your job. You do what you do. But I got a beef with you only because uh, mm. I grew up a Notre Dame fan. Oh. And I'm a Bills fan. So just want to get that out the way right off the bat. With you. Okay, um, <laughs> all right, but you do you do what you got to do, so I'm not even mad at you on that. But I got to say about this bias thing, I'm also a Mets fan. Listen, these guys got to hit the ball. We got to get some W's. Even if we don't win the division or make it deep into the playoffs, we got to set the table for next year. So if Baez starts doing what he's got to do, then 
this thumbs down thing will go away. We ain't got to worry about that no more. You, but think, we it, you think it'll when just go away, Nick? You, you think if all of a sudden the Mets just start winning and it goes away for Javi? I don't know that. I don't know Absolutely. about New York City fans for getting stuff like that. We will. We like winners. Show us you can win. Show us that passion. Show us that passion. And we'll take it. We'll okay. take it. I, I, just, I, I, I don't think Javi's going to be a Met can't. next year. I, the, like he's only been there really for a cup of coffee since the trade deadline, and already he's making Met. Yeah, go back I, to I Chicago. Just, I can't though, there. Shay. I can't deal with this. This this is the type of stuff that'll stress me out. <laughs> okay, fine. Worrying Why about you starting to scratch yourself like I feel that? Like I, keep like, itchy. I can't. I, I just can't. <laughs> A thumbs down's got all this attention. I feel you. It's so ridiculous. Okay, you're right. Let's move on. I, you're getting itchy. I understand. Let's move on. <laughs> Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Commercial insurance through Progressive protects your business and your dream. Choose from over 30 coverage options at ProgressiveCommercial.com. Daniel Jones, heading into a very critical year for him, a year three. When will we're going to figure out if this is the guy, if this is the franchise quarterback for the Giants going forward? I'm giving Daniel Jones the benefit of the doubt. I get worried about how he'll be able to survive. If the O-line, like I saw last night, is the O-line that I'm going to see in the regular season, it's going to be a long year for my Giants. And it's going to have the same conversation. And then Dave Gettleman has to go. So we've been asking all morning what uh, coach player is tied together. And at the top of the list, it feels like it's Daniel Jones and Joe Judge, right? Like, Joe, uh, you heard it there in the open. Like, Daniel Jones heading into year three. This is the year, dude. We got to figure out who you are. Are you going to make it or are you going to break it in New York City as the leader of that Giants team? Uh, I mean, we have talked about it this year, last year, year before. Every year it's the O-line is an issue, right, in, in New York. But can you overcome it, Daniel Jones? That is the question. This is Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on your smart speakers. I'm Shay Cornette. Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams here with you. So, guys, um, would you agree that it's Daniel Jones and Joe Judge as two player coach that is most tied together in New York as terms of a make it or break it season in this year? In the entire year? NFL? Yeah, you could say entire NFL. Yeah. I disagree. Okay. If we're talking about a make or break season, I feel like that's Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford. I feel like that's Les Snead and Sean McVay that said, hey, look, Jared Goff, a guy that got you to the Super Bowl, he's not good enough anymore. We want our guy. We're going to go out and get Matthew Stafford, and we're gonna, he's going to be that guy that's going to answer all the calls. I feel like that's a team that has Super Bowl aspirations. I don't know who's going to come out of the NFC East, and I want my Giants to be really good, but I'm looking at Dallas being like, wow, they're, they're really tooled. They have all the offensive weapons. Only thing you question is their defense. I'm looking at the Rams saying, that's a Super Bowl team. Like, that's a Super Bowl makeup team for right now. And it's, it's Super Bowl or bust for the Rams. But the Stafford's sure, got another sure. year in his contract. That's the only thing. I feel like with Daniel Jones, it's Jones, Barkley, Gettleman, Joe Judge. I mean, they're all kind of tied to this guy at this point, Key. You know, I, I don't think that it's it, – it, phrase your question again. Give it to me one more time what, so I could clearly understand. What quarterback, head coach duo – have the most pressure on them together this season? Is it the Giants? That's the jumping off point here because it feels like it's not even just the coach and the quarterback in New York. It's also Gettleman. It's also Saquon Barkley. It's a lot of guys that are depending on these two to get it right this season. I think there is a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones to do a lot of different things to get the team over the hump for the New York fan base and the Giant fans and what the aspirations are. But Joe Judge inherited Danny Dimes. Mm-hmm. Go out west, mm-hmm. and you talk about together. You talk about came in the league together. It's Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. That's another good one. That, that's exactly who it is. They, they are tied together at the hip. Uh, 
Cliff Kingsbury is only going to go as far as Kyler Murray takes him and vice versa. And then you throw in Steve Kimes, who's the general manager who signed off on Kyler Murray and Cliff Kingsbury after drafting Josh Rosen, then trading Josh Rosen. So when you look at the Arizona Cardinals and you look at what they have at stake, Cliff Kingsbury has been there. The dude was fired from Texas Tech, then took a job at USC as an offensive coordinator. How does that happen and you become the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals after Steve Wilkes is fired a year later? Ridiculous. Because he was and now, coaching. And he still, and he he was, still hasn't <laughs> taken him to the playoffs. The only reason was Patrick Mahomes. I never understood that either, Key. Like, I am with you wholeheartedly. Like, I never understood that that uh, the reasoning behind that hire, I should say. The only thing I knew of was Patrick Mahomes, was that Cliff Kingsbury coach Patrick Mahomes. So the Cardinals, I agree with. That's a good one. I mean, there's a, these are two um, NFC West teams that have major implications this year in terms of what they're going to look like in the postseason or, or at least m- being relevant in the month of January. And I feel like that division alone is so intriguing for so many reasons because they're stacked from top to bottom. All right, coming up next, we're going to bring in Harry Douglas into this convo and figure out who he thinks has the most pressure among quarterback-head coach combos. That's after we have this from DoorDash. DoorDash here with Summer of DoorDash. Right now, Dash Pass members are taking $10 off groceries, alcohol, pet food, and more. Need a nightcap? $10 off. Got a cough? Get relief delivered for less. Want to surprise your crush? Send a gift and save a lot of money. Try Dash Pass for free and get special savings, exclusive menu items, and $0 deliveries year-round. Get more from your neighborhood now with Dash Pass in the DoorDash app. And stay cool out there. Terms and conditions apply. As a fan, this is amazing. This no, it is the is. time of the year. This is what we talked about. This is real, man. This is real. Are you ready? Sound ready. This is Marty Smith, and I'm ready. This is Max Kellerman, and the Giants are ready. This is Keyshawn Johnson. The Carolina Panthers are ready. Zellin Hahn, I'm ready. Football is back, and it kicks off every morning with Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin and continues all day right here on ESPN Radio. Wrangler has all the latest denim styles and trends. Find yours at Wrangler.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. 
Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. All right. Discussing all things NFL because we are creeping up to the start of the regular season. This is Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline where we're going to go in just one minute. My name is Shay Cornett. Jay Williams here with me. Keyshawn Johnson's in, in L.A. We're all hanging out together. Good morning to you if you are just joining us. Harry Douglas is joining us right now on that Goodyear Hotline. He's a former NFL wide receiver. He's also the co-host of College Game Day on ESPN Radio and Sunday Primetime on ESPN Radio. Good morning to you, Harry. Thanks for being with us this morning. Um, let's talk about the Titans because I I feel like we haven't talked a lot about this team at all, and they should be even better than last season, especially with the acquisition of Julio Jones. So what kind of impact do you think Julio is going to make on that Titans team? Well, first I'll start with the Tennessee Titans. You look at a team who was prominent in running the football. Derrick Henry led the lead in rushing the last two years. And then last year they actually had a guy, A.J. Brown, who went over 1,000 yards, and Corey Davis, who I think was about 16 yards uh, shy of going 1,000 yards. So they almost had two receivers go over 1,000 yards. Now you add a Julio Jones, a guy who I think uh, over the last five or six years is the best receiver in the game of football right now as we speak. So you look at Julio, you look at the intangibles that he brings to that offense. Now defenses, they have to make a decision. Are they going to put eight people in the box and play A.J. Brown man-to-man, play Julio man-to-man, or are they going to go cover two and say, okay, we're going to let Derrick Henry do his thing and – uh, let these receivers n- not beat us. So basically, w- when it comes to the Titans and their offense, they, they can pick their poison on how they want to attack teams. But I think it's going to benefit Derrick Henry a lot. I think it's going to benefit Ryan Tannehill a lot. Uh, and this Tennessee Titans team, uh, don't sleep on them because the, the, the additions that they made with Julio and in, in free agency on the defensive side of the ball, I think they're going to make some noise in the AFC. Harry, I know that, you know, let, let's start here. No biased opinions on Julio Jones, but does Julio have enough gas left in the tank to make a major impact for the Titans? He does. He does. And we look at last year, he didn't didn't play that much last year because of the hamstring injury, but he still had 700 yards receiving, missing a lot of ball games, right? And I, I don't think I've seen anybody Recently, I think in the last 10 years, who demands double teams and demands double coverage the way Julio does. But not only that, with the double teams and with the double coverage, he still defeats it, right? Um, When I played with Julio Jones, I benefited from him having double teams, getting a lot of one-on-one coverages in the slot. But now he's on a team in in, in the Tennessee Titans where he can see one-on-one coverage a lot. Josh Reynolds can see one-on-one coverage. A.J. Brown can see one-on-one coverage. And then their tight end, Anthony uh, Fersker, he can see one-on-one coverage. So I think Julio has enough in the tank. He's motivated, he's hungry, and he's ready to, number one, prove to himself, and then number two, prove to the world that he's still here to stay. Harry, with that being said about Julio Jones, what wide receiver on a new team do you think will have the biggest impact? Oh, Jay Will, you make you gonna make me pick one. I'm not gonna pick just I, one. You gotta pick okay? one, Harry. We got that's no, our I'm show, not, Harry. I'm you gotta pick go, one. I'm not gonna pick just one. I saw you I'm when you came you in the first couple. take yesterday. You even say what's up to me. That's <laughs> cool though. We're gonna talk about that later after the show. <laughs> I got you. Um I'll say the the biggest impact. Ooh. All right, instead of picking one, I'm going to pick two. Number one, I'm going to go with Corey Davis. I played with Corey Davis in Tennessee, mm-hmm. um, and I think he's, he's, he's at the point now where he's ready to be a great receiver in this league. 
You look at um, Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator, they're going to get him the football. I think Zach Wilson and Corey Davis has this bond. They has his chemistry right now. That's going to get him over the hump. Number two I have is Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Jackson going back to play with Sean McVay, a guy he was with uh, in Washington, dialing up plays. He's going to be a deep threat, so don't sleep on Deshaun Jackson as well. We're talking to Harry Douglas right now, ESPN football analyst, also former uh, NFL wide receiver. He's the co-host of College Game Day on ESPN Radio on Sunday primetime on ESPN Radio. He's joining us here on KJZ this morning. I am Shay Cornette, uh, Jay Will, and Keyshawn here with us as well. Okay, a um, lot of controversy around what is going on in Chicago. We've talked about it ad nauseum, it feels like, at the, on this show, but we want to get your opinion. How do you feel about how Matt Nagy has handled the Bears quarterback situation, and do you agree with him that Andy Dalton should be the starter week one? Uh, number one, Shay, I do not agree with how, on how he handled the situation, right? Um, I played in this league for 10 years, and from playing in this league 10 years, I think guys' jobs should be earned, right? So Andy Dalton came over in free agency from the Cowboys, and Matt Nagy just named him the starting quarterback. Uh, as a coach, if I'm a coach, that's not the way I'm, how, how I'm going to handle things. I'm going to give everybody the opportunity to earn their job on the football field versus just giving it to somebody who hasn't proved to me, especially in the last two years, that he should be the starter of this football team. They drafted Justin Fields 11th overall. Uh, we've seen in preseason that Justin Fields is the best quarterback. He's the guy who can improvise. Uh, he's the guy, the O-line is not what you want it to be, but he's a guy who can actually do some things outside of the pocket when he scrambles. Uh, when it comes to this Bears football team, listen, they're, they're stacked defensively, and I just don't want them to waste the defense's years, right, because everyone has a window, right? I don't want that window to close on the Bears uh, because of the decision at quarterback. So who should be the starting quarterback with these other two teams, the 49ers and the New England Patriots? Yep. What about them? Who should be, who should be the starting quarterbacks with those two teams? Um, for me, New England Patriots, I'm going to go with Mac Jones. Uh, I like what I've seen from Mac Jones. He's done a great job in preseason. He's going to do one thing that Bill Belichick doesn't want you to do. He, he's not going to turn the football over. Right, he's going to take care of the football. But when I look him in the pocket, he looks comfortable. He looks like he's, he's got this offense in control. Um, I can tell the football – you look at him standing in the pocket right now delivering a strike. We call that a win route. You go up about 18, 20 yards, and, and, and you stop on the uh, two yards outside the hash. But he's just fluent with everything. He's smart. He played with, Bill, uh, he played with Nick Saban down in Alabama, so we know what he brings to the table. And ball placement, he places the ball in, in areas where the receiver can be protected as well. We've seen the tight end. He see the back shoulder of the tight end. Keyshawn, I know you like that when it, when it, mm-hmm. when it's, when it presents itself. Harry, uh, hard And I'll not- say for, for the 49ers, I'm going to go with the 49ers, y'all. Okay. Uh, I've always been high on Trey Lance. I just think he adds a dimension to the game that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't. Right? I think he's a guy who can get them over the hump. I think he's a guy who's athletic. And it's a reason why John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan moved up early to get a guy who's a dual threat. Harry, keep it real, real with me on this one. What are your expectations for the Cowboys, man? All right, you, you know, a lot of people say, well, I just want to see them win the division. But the talent yeah. speaks like they should win a Super Bowl, doesn't it? Um, I'll say division number one. I think they can win the division. And then I think they can wait, win a playoff game or two. Right? I don't, I, anything other than that, I don't, I don't think they can do. Because it's still questions defensively. And for Dan Quinn taking over that defense, if he's learned from his mistakes in Atlanta – and, th- and that defense doesn't have to be good, guys. He just has to be decent, right? That defense just has to be decent. If they're decent, that offense is going to do the rest. So I- I'll say win a playoff game or two, not Super Bowl, though. Okay. okay. A playoff game or two, though, is definitely that, an improvement for, for the Dallas Cowboys, that for sure. Harry Douglas, thanks so much for the insight this morning. We appreciate it.
No problem. Thank you all for having me. All right, all right see ya. Okay, um, Corey, or I'm sorry, Harry mentioned Corey Davis in there, and Keyshawn, I saw you kind of stir and wanted to say something about it. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive into the receivers that are per- perhaps joining new teams and what kind of impacts they could make. He knows a thing or two about receivers, right? We'll do that next right here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Glad I have this read. Perfectly suited for me. Do you have a motorcycle, ATV, or even a truck that's sitting in your garage that you've been waiting for to sell? With RebelOn.com, you can easily turn your unused vehicle into cash in minutes. Where were you, RebelOn? I needed you. RebelOn.com will give you cash offer for your vehicle and pick it up for free anytime, anywhere. Harley, Polaris, Can-Am, Yamaha, and even if you are just looking to trade in, RebelOn will pay cash no matter what the make or the model. Visit RumbleOn.com today and enter promo code RADIO, R-A-D-I-O, to get a $300 increase on your cash offer. Fast bikes, faster cash. Man, I needed you. Hey, it's Greeny, and we're turning our attention to the first week of the NFL season Tuesday with my big-time predictions and time for your calls as well. See you then. It's Greeny, starting 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. RIP. Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin, good morning to you. Thanks for being with us here. Shay Cornette hanging out with Jay Will and Key this morning. Uh, all right, so we just had Harry Douglas on, and we, and we posed this question to him, and now I'm going to open it up to all of us here. Which wide receiver is going to make the biggest impact on their new team this year? Now, this is for a bunch of different reasons. For one reason why we want to have this conversation, one is obviously Keyshawn was a, a former wide receiver in the league. But really? also, yesterday, Shocker. yesterday you said something, Key, that caught my attention. We were talking about Julio Jones, that you didn't think that's going to be that big of an impact for the Tennessee Titans. And then now we were just talking to Harry Douglas, and he brought up Deshaun Jackson with the Rams. And you were shaking your head. So, Key, I'll let you start this off. In terms of wide receivers that will have the biggest impact, and we're not going to include rookies here because why? So these are veteran dudes that have moved teams. Which of these guys do you think will make the biggest impact? I'm going to lay out a few for you. There's Corey Davis going to the Jets, um, Curtis Samuel, A.J. Green, Julio Jones, Emmanuel Sanders, Will Fuller, and so on down the line. What do you think? 
I think when you when you talk about an impact, I think it's Corey Davis because he'll make an impact with Zach Wilson. Anytime you have a young quarterback so desperately need a veteran wide receiver, just look up the road in Buffalo. What did Brandon Bean, the general manager of the Buffalo Bills, go out and do for Josh Allen? He went out and traded for Stephon Diggs. Josh Allen was a little longer in the tooth in his career than Zach Wilson, but you certainly want to have a viable threat in a big play wide receiver that can help your young quarterback. And I think Corey Davis is that guy that can grow along with Zach Wilson. He's young enough to, so that now they can have a rapport over the next several years where we're going to be talking Wilson Davis quite some time in New York. How about Nelson Aguilar? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just watching him when he was with Vegas and a heavy pass scheme offense key, how they utilized him now considering how many targets he got. Uh, he's going to have to be that staple. I mean, he's going to have to be that top target for a guy like a Mac Jones or a Cam Newton. See, and, and where I would go this way, like initially I wanted to say Julio Jones, just because I think that's, well, that's the obvious. He was like yeah. the biggest free agent right this offseason that we really talked about. But he kind of did sway me a little yesterday, like, eh, that doesn't do much for me because of a guy named Derrick Henry. And, and look, the Titans hadn't necessarily need all those weapons, at least for um, Ryan Tannehill to throw to. Like, they were able to figure it out without it. So but I, think I, about I, it, though, Shay, when you, when you say Julio Jones, right, Julio's going to make an impact but Corey Davis was just there and was shy of 1,000 yards. So right. how much more of an impact could Julio Jones make? I mean, right. Julio Jones gives you 1,200 yards, uh, gives you, you know, what, seven touchdowns? No, I mean, you're right. Not, That's but, why yeah, I'm saying you convinced but, but, me but of key, an impact. Can I just ask you this on impact? And I'm not saying it's going to happen in yardage, but just more name recognition for what the star potential is. Doesn't that name just draw a little bit more attention than a Corey Davis? Well, his ability will certainly garner some attention, Jay. But in the end, their offense is only going to do so much, which yeah. is they're going to take the ball from Ryan Tannehill and turn it around and hand it to that dude with that big old ponytail rolled up that knot, and he's really big. He's like 6'4 and 260 or something like that. They're going to get a ball to him. They're yeah. not changing what they do. Well, that's what I mean. And, and uh, obviously they got Julio Jones through a trade, not free agency. But it, that's what I'm saying. Like, at, at first, that's what I thought. Like, name, like I looked to Julio Jones and, oh, my goodness, like this was the big thing we talked about during the offseason. But he kind of swayed me in another direction. And I'm going to kind of go a weird way here. I kind of want to go with Emmanuel Sanders and the Bills. And, and only because he's with Stephon Diggs there. And I feel like now these guys have a full season with Brian Dable. Like, last year Stephon Diggs came over where you didn't have a preseason the way that they, you were accustomed to. And Stephon Diggs still fit in the mold perfectly with Josh Allen there. And now you're adding Emmanuel Sanders to the mix. And it just gives him more weapons. All that to say is I think the Bills need to be more balanced this year, obviously, with running the football as well throughout the entirety of the season, meaning earlier on and in the postseason. But I know that that's not like a flashy name and he's an older dude in Emmanuel Sanders. But I just think what the Bills can do, um, they could have a really big upside, especially if they see their yards per play increase, which they did last season even more this season. Um, but I do think it's interesting that Julio Jones isn't someone that stands out to everyone because I feel like that was the big name. A.J. Green of the Cardinals is also an interesting one here, guys, too, because what can A.J. Green do for the Cardinals? Like, we talk a lot about Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, Keyshawn, you said earlier, like, this is a big year for them. Obviously, all the pressure is on them, and A.J. Green – uh, more of an older receiver. Like, could he be a difference there? You don't have Larry Fitzgerald anymore. Like, you're tried and true there in, in Phoenix. Yeah, he can't. He can. A.J. Green, if he's healthy, can be a difference. I think, you know, he got caught up in the Cincinnati situation where 
He got banged up toward the end of his contract. He never got the big extension that he was looking for. He could be a healthy addition to them, but it's not going to push them over the top. Like, what is it really doing for Kyler Murray? When you look at Corey Davis paired with Zach Wilson, you got a young quarterback with somewhat of a young wide receiver that has played in this league, so he understands how to get open. He understands what the NFL is all about. It will help Zach Wilson grow into something else. You mentioned Emmanuel Sanders. Now you got a little bit of a track meet going on Mm -hmm. up in Buffalo Mm -hmm. with Stephon Diggs, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley. So you start to look at that a little bit different in the the passing game. So there's a few guys that's out there that certainly can make an impact, no question about it. All right, let's go to another one here. Will Fuller in Miami. Okay, Will Will Fuller, DeAndre Hopkins, they get out of – they get out of Houston, right? And so now they're with new teams. But Will Fuller in Miami, like, can he have an impact with Tua Tungavai? Like, what is Tua? What are we going to see from Tua this year? We hear Brian Flores kind of flirting with the idea of bringing in a guy, in a guy like Deshaun Watson and, and not being, it seems like, all the way sure about their quarterback. So is Will Fuller going to be a guy that has big implications with his new team in Miami? Can he take them over the hump? Because they were right there in the thick of things, too. But can he stay on the field? Yeah, well, that's the question. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that, too. I mean, the last burning image in my mind of Will Fuller was just him in the Texans uniform. And Key and I were talking about this yesterday at the beginning of the season, you know, with Deshaun Watson, that, you know, them losing D-Hop and Will Fuller was gonna, supposed to be that guy. guy. And that's like that burning image of Will Fuller. I'm not saying that he can't be revamped, but Tua Tungalova is going to be a heavy pass system. I mean, that's going to be something that can he stay on the field, can he stay healthy, and durability is a big question for him. Key, what were you going to say? No, I was Jay. Jay was saying it, it durability for Will Fuller. They've got a, a slew of wide receivers in Miami right now, and and so they've got to figure out whether Jalen Waddle gets on the field, who they drafted mm-hmm. in the first mm-hmm. round, Devontae Parker. What's going to happen with him? You mentioned Will Fuller, so they've got a nucleus of wide receivers over there. It's going to shake out a certain way. I don't know that Will Fuller is going to have the impact that you would think a guy that could take the top off it would have. Because I don't believe that Brian Flores is going to just be a pass-happy offense. They're going to try to have some, some, some sort of control and do what he does, which is play defense. Uh, you said the AFC North was a place to look. I mean, the, the Dolphins at this point, I just feel like, what is the measure of success for them with Tua? Like, what is the measure? Like, they have to make the playoffs this year, right? Like, that's where Brian Flores was ahead of schedule. Last year, I feel like he was a guy we were talking about for Coach of the Year because they were ahead of schedule and the moves that he made and the way they were able to find some su- success when this was a team that revamped, like, every single position group the year prior, it felt like. And then they went out and drafted Tua. And I think he was pretty much as advertised last year when he finally did come in for Ryan Fitzpatrick. But now, like, what is that Dolphins team? even going to look like as we prepare for this season it's an extremely competitive division Uh, you have no idea how Tua is going to be now that he doesn't have Ryan Fitzpatrick there and again with with what they're looking at in terms of bringing in another quarterback I have no idea what what to expect from the Miami Dolphins this year yeah I you know I think that they're going to be in that window you know they they always play the New England Patriots tough they play the Buffalo Bills tough it's all about the quarterback. It's going to start with Tua. If Tua does his job and does it well, defensively, I think they're going to be solid and sound. They have some playmakers on the perimeter. The only thing he has to do is just play within himself and continue to learn how to play at the pro level. And the interesting thing for me, though, when you look at the Miami Dolphins, it's about three people that he'll be dealing with, the quarterback coach and two co-offensive coordinators. To me, that's mind-boggling. For a young quarterback to be able to try to decipher – 
what the information is that he's getting from upstairs down to the sideline. Charlie Fry, uh, 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 his quarterback coach on the sideline. You got Studeville upstairs, co-offensive coordinator. So you got all those sort of things going on, all dealing with one quarterback. I just want to see how he can handle that at the pro level because this is not college football. And I'm curious to see for Tua, you know, look, the preseason was a a good buildup for him. But this first five games, I mean, you start the season at the Patriots. Mm -hmm. And then you go Bills at home. Then you're at Raiders. Then you play the Colts. Then you're at the Bucks. I mean, you're going to find out a lot in those first five games about where this team is and what chance they have a chance to compete for and accomplish in the AFC East. Yeah, we talked about how difficult the Colts' schedule is right out of the gate. The Dolphins have a really tough one right out of the gates. The AFC East, man, they thought when Tom Brady left, like, this thing was going to be up for grabs. Like, the Bills and the Dolphins were like, okay, me, me, me. Like, not so much. It's, it could be even more competitive now, obviously, because the Bills are good, the Patriots are going to be better, the Jets are going to be better, and the Dolphins, we just said it, like, what are they going to be this season? So, Man, the AFC East, another intriguing one that I feel like we didn't really talk too much about, but we will do more of that coming up in just a minute because the quarterback competition in New England, very close. All we have talked about, who is it going to be? Is it going to be Cam Newton or is it going to be Mac and Jones? Well, now Bill Belichick is, you know, raving in the way that only Bill Belichick can. I'm being sarcastic, obviously, about one of them. He spoke this morning. We're going to hear from the head coach of the New England Patriots next. You're listening to Keyshawn, J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80, also on ESPN News. Shay Cornett, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin on ESPN Radio. We'll be right back. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 